Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is April 16th. I'm sitting here on a beautiful morning in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And last night, Atlanta United and Toronto played to a 2-2 draw, the second draw between the teams in this young season. This one was a little bit different, though, because Toronto scored with literally the final kick of the game to earn the 2-2 draw and split the points. Atlanta United's Yorgos Yakamakas opened the scoring in the fourth minute with a header from an assist by Brooks Lennon. Richie Larea answered in the 43rd minute for Toronto. Machop Chol scored his first ever goal for Atlanta United with a little glancing shot off his shoulder, actually, in the 76th minute, and then had a really nice goal celebration that I'm going to tell you about in a minute. And then Brandon Serviana scored in the fourth minute of stoppage time to make it 2-2 and to bring Atlanta's, Atlanta United's record to 4-1-2 this season, which is it's a, it's a good record, but Pineda, as you're going to hear in a little bit, is not too happy about the res- well with one aspect of the result. You're also going to hear from Machop Chol, you're going to hear from Caleb Wiley, and I'm going to answer your many, many questions about the MLS team which we always appreciate sending in. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and on the Instagrams at Douglas David Robertson. And if this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. So let's go through a few stats before we get into the sound really quick it was a a fairly even game for both teams Atlanta United of course was playing without goalkeeper Brad Guzan who suffered a torn MCL in last week's draw at NYCFC without Franco Albara who got a red card in that NYCFC game without Tiago Almada who traveled with the team but was not on the roster but after the game that they just want to monitor his status which is why they didn't leave him in Atlanta and that he expects him to be in training this week. And then, unfortunately, Yakamakas had to leave the game early in the second half, like the fourth minute of the second half, so the 49th minute or so, uh, with what appears to be a left hamstring injury. So going to the stats again really quick, Toronto had 52.8% of the possession, 11 shots to Atlanta United's 10, four shots on goal to Atlanta United's 5, Seven corners to Atlanta United's three, although Atlanta United scored on one of its three. Toronto came close on a couple, but Quentin Westberg 
who replaced Brad Guzan, made those saves. Toronto won 40 duels to Atlanta United's 33. And that's pretty much the highlights of, I think, the stats. Toronto finished with 0.6 expected goals to Atlanta United 0.5. So, all in all, a very close game. Here's Neda, in his words, talking about why Almada made the trip but didn't play. We want to have a close eye on him. Uh, we're going to manage it day by day. We think uh, it was precautionary on him. So we are going to have a very tough stretch of games uh, in the next few weeks. So I prefer to save him a little bit here because he wasn't 100% for this game. And we will assess him day by day the next week. So all of that makes perfect sense. It, it really does. Um You've got a $30 million asset. You don't want to risk an injury. I still don't understand quite the logic behind bringing him with the team to monitor the progress of the injury when they could have done that with someone else from Atlanta United with Almada at home and not having to make the trip. Travel wears you out. Sitting on a plane gets old. Uh, Sitting watching a game, you know, you're sedentary. Anyway. It makes sense, but, you know, I still question it a little tiny bit, but it's not a big deal. So this was kind of my night last night at beautiful BMO Field. I had my story written at Lenny United 2-1, to one, already more than half of the road points that it won last season. And uh, then the second goal happens. And our publishing system, I couldn't get into anymore. So I have a story written that says Atlanta United won 2-1 to when, in fact, the game ended in a 2-2 draw, and I cannot get into our CMS to update the story. So I'm frantically emailing the producers, don't publish that story, don't publish that story. <laughs> it is not right. And when I get back from talking to Pineda and Chol and Wiley, I will update the story. So that's only, I think, the second time that's ever happened to me when uh, either the wireless has dropped or the CMS wouldn't work. The first time was at the Champions League game at Herediano in Costa Rica. And I had a feeling that the Wi-Fi was going to drop. It was I was sitting in basically the only place in the stadium that you could get the Wi-Fi. And I figured near the end of the game, everybody was going to get on their phones and try to do whatever they're going to do on their phones. And sure enough, with about two minutes left in the game, the Wi-Fi dropped out. But I had already emailed the story to my boss and told him, just publish this when you can. If the score changes, I'll let you know. Anyway, so now talking about Toronto's second goal, it was a series of individual mistakes, and I think I know, well, I have a theory why, but you're going to hear Pineda explain it right now. We uh, overpress a little bit on the left side. Uh, uh, I think when the ball went from their right to the left, our left to, to the right, maybe match up, press a little bit the center back. That opens a little bit of a gap. In there in the in the pocket and then Brooks goes too high uh, we allow the inner pass that we normally try to break and then we allow another inner pass through the channel and that's where they get the cross we couldn't cover the player coming inside um, so it's a shame because we were doing a great job at containing that amount of pressure with a lot of attackers for their side um, so yeah that's what happened so if you go back and you watch the highlight on mlssoccer.soccer.mls.soccer.com you'll see that Toronto had the ball pinched against the sideline on the visitor side of the field, so the the smaller side of the stadium, which is usually a spot that Atlanta United will want to press. I think 
that when Toronto had the ball there, just out of reflex almost, uh, Chole and Lennon moved to press the ball, but that line got broken with a pass inside and then another pass back outside and then another pass back inside, which was the final one to Severino uh, for the goal. So I think they were doing what they've been training for the past few weeks slash months, um, and this time it just didn't work. It's you know just a, a little bit, I guess, maybe of, if I'm right, a little bit of a lack of experience just in, in recognizing the game moment. But anyway, it's neither here nor there. So Machop Chol came on in the second half in place of Amar Sadich, and I immediately turned to Chris Winkler, who was sitting beside me, and said, what is he going to do with Chop here for Sadich? Uh, because Sadich was kind of playing as an attacking midfielder in the uh, Almada role, and I assumed that somebody else would move into the Almada role because Chop has usually played as a striker or as a right wing or a left wing or a right wing back or a left wing back. I don't remember him ever playing as an attacking midfielder. But he ended up scoring, and he did a good job. And here's Pineda explaining why he had Chol playing that position. Yeah, more, more in that role, right? Uh, uh, more as a 10 slash 8 slash second forward. So, yeah. so he's a player that can cover a lot of ground. Once he's on the field, he can cover a lot of ground. So I was telling him the instructions was you're playing mainly as a 10 in the pocket because when we were getting a lot of the ball into our left back, we were missing a little bit that pocket. Amar was dropping too too deep because he's more of a possession guy. And then when we were finding matchup higher on the field, I think was better for us. But also in the rotation, when Santi was next to Rosetto, he can be kind of on beneath Miguel, and that can cause them problems. And I think a little bit of that happened in the goal, which is he starts to play on the right side. Then we switch, very good play by Andrew, playing the ball into Luis. And then from that uh, second line, matchup arrives inside the box, and he scores a goal. So um, I, think, I think it worked. It definitely worked. Chol played well. He uh, he got, I think, two shots in the game uh, off memory. Let me see if I can find the stat sheet. We don't have the traditional really nice stat sheet. I'm having to look on MLSsoccering.com slash Toronto slash match day slash fire alarms. Yeah, he had two shots, two on target, 100% passing efficiency, uh, four duels. Didn't win any of them, but was in four duels so he had a he had a decent game i was curious to hear Pineda's thoughts on how quentin westberg performed in place of guzan he completed uh like more than 80 percent of his passes which is amazing for a goalkeeper and he made two saves off corner kicks one was an olympico uh by bernardeschi which was a it was a fantastic corner by him and quentin got his hands on it and then another one another fantastic corner by bernardeschi was a header and westberg got that off the line he had one bad pass in the game that I remember, but the rest of the time he was really good with the ball at his feet, and here's Pineda talking about that. I think he did very well uh, leading the back, uh, very good in a couple set pieces that he made very good saves. Uh, so he showed exactly what we expect from him, uh, a steady guy that has a lot of experience, can be good in the build-up, and, and he just adds experience in that part of the field. So um, I think he did great. And Santiago Sosa made his second start this season in place of Ibarra, who also didn't train last week, at least not Monday or Tuesday through Thursday when we were there. Uh, so he might have a little bit of a minor issue 
as well. But here's Pineda talking about how Sosa did. Uh, yeah, similar. Uh, I think Ibarra was doing a great job. Uh, today, Santi had a very good game, in my opinion. Um, obviously, uh, at times, you know, it, it takes a couple games to really get the best out of the players. But I think overall, due to the expectations, I think Santi did a great job. It wasn't an easy game for him because he was under a lot of pressure from many midfielders around that area. But I think he was solid. He, he regained many, many balls from that area, anticipate a couple, and then in the distribution he was very good. So I think he had a, a solid game. Now for those of you who are curious, Daniel has broken out of his Interpol prison in Madagascar and is making his way on foot, Lawrence of Arabia style, across Africa. I don't know how he was able to answer the voicemails, but we do have one. So just thoughts and prayers for Daniel. He has learned the dangers of performance enhancing yarn. And uh I'm sure he's going to find something else to get into. Now, Machop Chol, for those who don't know, is one of the nicest guys on Atlanta United's roster. Just a really, just, you cannot find anyone who will say anything bad about Chop. I wrote a feature about him last year, talked to his coach at Wick Forest, and he's like, everybody roots for, for Chop. And it's true. And here's Caleb Wiley talking about the team's response to Chol's first goal. Um, so happy for the kid. He, he truly deserves it. Um, the way he trains in training, such a hardworking guy, humble. Um, so for him to you know get his first goal tonight was was special. And it is funny to hear Caleb Wiley, who's 18, call him a chop chole, who I think is like 24 or 25, a kid. And here's Wiley talking about if this was a frustrating point earned tonight. Yeah, definitely frustrating because I think – Last time we played them, they, they stole the, the three points away. Um, and for them to do it again is, you know, it's frustrating, um, especially with, I don't know, a minute left. Um, you know, I thought, you know, we were the better team and we created more chances. So, you know, it's always going to be frustrating when that happens. Actually, in that previous game, Atlanta United is the one who scored second after Bernardeschi scored first for Toronto. So I don't know if Toronto stole the points. Uh, but maybe he was referring to that Atlanta United outplayed Toronto in both games, in his opinion. So after Machop Chol scored, it was a cross from Arahujo. Chop was trying to hit it with the back of his head, but instead the ball went off his left shoulder and went in. It was it was a pretty nice scene. Derek Etienne ran to the corner flag where Atlanta United subs warm up and kind of was motioning everybody get out of the way. And Chop ran up, lifted up his jersey. And on it was written Anton Forever, which was a nice tribute to Anton Walks, who, of course, a former Atlanta United player, former teammate of Chops, good friend of Chops, who uh, he unfortunately died in a boating accident in southern Florida um, in January. So it was just a really cool moment. And here's Chop talking about scoring his first goal. Uh, I was just hoping it wasn't offsides or anything, but it felt amazing. Um, I didn't know what to do. Yeah, it was just a whirlwind of emotions. He said that uh, Almada actually made fun of him a little bit for his celebration before he lifted up his his uh, jersey. And he got a yellow card for that. So it, it, he had been wearing that T-shirt every game this season, waiting on a chance to, to get to honor Anton. So that's just that's pretty cool. Here's Chop talking about if he trained as an attacking midfielder this week. Yeah, this week I did train it. Um, a bit, but also in preseason, I was playing a bit in the 10, so I was pretty 
comfortable there and I was I was enjoying my footy there. So And he has become probably the first player off the bench for Pinedo recently. I need to go back and, and make sure that it's more just kind of a feeling that I have. But he's he's actually, you know, you look at look at Chop, he's he's very tall, he's very skinny, but he's very skilled. He's very, very good with the ball at his feet. He doesn't turn the ball over too much. He's good in tight spaces. He's a very skilled player. I'm I'm really gonna be curious. We're gonna get into this in the mailbag. If Chop starts next week, Atlanta United will host Chicago next Sunday. It's not a Saturday game, it's a Sunday game at Mercedes Benz. So I asked Chop just about the trust that Pineda has in him. I'm just grateful for that kind of trust and it, for me it just provides more it gives me more confidence to, to keep doing what I'm doing and to continue to train well. All right, when we come back, I'm going to answer your questions. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining. You can get all of our stories on AJC.com, access to our e-paper, and our assortment of newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from Mark Bradley. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. If I don't say it twice, Jay Black is going to beat me mercilessly. But you always need to know what's really going on. That subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So before we get into the mailbag, I hinted on the Twitter yesterday that I had a humdinger of a story for y'all. I am breaking out all the fresh lingo that the kids are using nowadays. So I've been to Toronto several times in my life, all for work. But usually it's been an in-and-out trip. And so this time, as I find myself kind of living alone and having time on my hands, I wanted to explore Toronto. So I came in on Friday, did some walking around. I'm right next to the Rogers Center, which is a, it's a cool part of Toronto. So yesterday morning, had a big breakfast, went out and walked to the Royal Ontario Art Museum, walked through Chinatown, came back down. It was about five and a half miles in total. Came back to my... My hotel here, where I'm on the 32nd floor, and laid down to take a little bit of a nap for the night ahead, because I'm an old man, and the fire alarm system starts going off, and the voice message that pops through the hotel says, you know, the fire alarm system has been engaged, the firemen are on their way, Uh, please follow the instructions, but they don't give any instructions. So this happens a few times, and I'm like just you know silently hoping that this is going to end and that the firemen are going to get here, and it's just somebody pulled the system. But it keeps going on. So deciding that I don't want to die in a Toronto hotel room, I make my way to the stairwell, 
32nd floor again. About the 30th floor, I run into a young mother who has two boys, probably aged four and two. She's carrying the two-year-old, the four-year-old is behind her, and they're going down the stairs. So I kind of join their caravan. She says that I could pass them, but I was a former Cub Scout, former Boy Scout, and you know you don't leave someone alone in a potentially dangerous situation. You always pair with a buddy. So I told her, there's no way I'm leaving you here with your two sons in a stairwell, and God knows what's happening below us. But she gets tired of carrying the youngest one. He was cute as a button. He had on little jeans and little light-up sneakers. I think or his brother might have had the light-up sneakers. Um, and he trying to keep, he's trying to keep up with her down the stairwell, but he just can't because he's just too little. So I tell him, I'll pick you up and carry you if that's okay. You know, looking at the mom, she said, yeah. And he gives me the arms up, which always melts my heart because my son used to do that. He, my son would put his arms up and then kind of make a clapping, one-hand clapping motion that still just gives him great memories to this day. So I pick him up. He starts commenting on the fact that I'm wearing jeans. His mom is translating what he's saying to me. And about 20-something floors later, we finally get to a floor where we can get off. And, of course, as soon as we get off, the announcement comes on. We're all clear. And the elevators will be back in work, working in just a few minutes. So, anyway, fun little memory from Toronto. Now, on to the voicemails. The number is 770-810-5297. Daniel has a satellite phone on hand, ready to transcribe whatever language you want to say it in. Hi, this is Adam calling from North Carolina for uh, Doug on the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. Doug, oh, absolutely gutted to drop two points in the last 30 seconds of the match, but I do think that Atlanta United acquitted themselves well, considering who was missing not only pre-match with Guzan and Almeida, but also losing... Tank there at the 50-minute mark. Thought it was uh, some uh, interesting substitutions late in the match, getting on Gutman and, and Chol, but obviously worked out well. Chol uh, getting his first goal with the team, uh, but also Gutman, a hockey assist on that goal, and also doing very well in defense. Um, made some big stops there, but I was interested if uh, if you were able to see what. Uh, Chol's message was on the shirt. I, I couldn't see it from the, the feed or any of the replays, but uh, also interested in in your take on uh, how the team performed missing uh, missing some key players there. So, uh, all right, looking forward to the next podcast. Uh, enjoy your coffee, Doug. Bye. Thanks, Adam. I'm enjoying my Marriott style coffee right now. And if anyone from Marriott is listening, you rightfully discourage housekeeping, which is totally fine. But at the same time, in the, our little coffee baskets, you only put like one packet of caffeinated coffee. So if I'm here two nights and I'm not using a housekeeper, I only have one thing of coffee. So y'all might want to consider putting more than one or two coffee packets in the little baskets. Anyway, Adam, you've heard what I said about uh, Chop's t-shirt. Um, I thought the team played well. Uh, you'll read in the five observations from the game, which we'll post on agc.com and from my Twitter feed at Doug Robertson AJC later today, I compared the stats of the Columbus game when Atlanta United didn't have Almada with tonight, tonight's or last night's game against Colum- against Toronto, and Atlanta United improved markedly. I guess a team that, that plays pretty good defense does Toronto. So 
I think they're learning. They're evolving. And uh, Toronto had a little bit of a, a mystery injury as well. Michael Bradley, who the Toronto guys, who I met last night, uh, great beating them, said that Bradley trained on Friday, but he didn't even warm up Saturday night and didn't come into the game. He just sat there on the bench. I thought Toronto's midfield played really, really well. I thought they moved the ball well. You know, Bradley, he just can't move anymore. You watch the highlights, and he, he just he can't sprint. But anyway, that was uh, – thank you for the question. You're a friend of the podcast. I recognize the name and the voice. So thanks for calling in. Now on to Christopher, who says, if Tank, Yakamakas, can't go next week, does his goals in consecutive game streak end, or does it count consecutive games in which he plays? Hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. I'll have to ask. Had it rained in Toronto, or is the pitch quality really poor? The patches of random bright green grass made it look poor, and the players kept slipping, but I want to give the groundskeepers the benefit of the doubt. So, in all honesty, every time I've come to Toronto, every Toronto game I've watched, the pitch does not look good. And I assume it's grass. And we're at the beginning of spring. It's been unseasonably warm this weekend, according to the the uh, Canadian journalists. Uh, the weather has not been this good until this weekend. So I imagine that it's very, very difficult to keep a field uh, going and growing and looking sharp when there's so many fluctuations in weather. And I know the stadium is also used for other events. I don't know if there were any recently. But it's never looked like just one consistent color of green. He continues, does Christopher, you said you're six foot one. Well, I am when I stand up absolutely straight. But I'm starting to, to be a slumping guy. Is Machop Chol really only 6'2"? He looks taller than that out on the pitch. I know skinny people look taller, but he's a full head taller than 5'11", Mateus Huzetu in his goal celebration photo. Now, I thought I thought Chop was taller than 6'2". He's a tall dude. Uh, let's see what he's listed as. 1.88 meters, which helps me not a freaking lick. Come on. No, he's listed at 6'2". He's taller than 6'2". I'm going to say he's six foot thirteen right now. I'm calling it. And the last question from Christopher, coffee sip. Is the new branding of Match Day by MLS here to stay? It sounds funky to say Team Goal Player of the Match Day. It really does. I don't even write that when they have a player honored uh, in the weekly awards. I just say Team of the Week because it's just silly. He says it's growing on him. I think it's silly. But the inaccuracy bothers me. Has there been a single match day where they've all occurred on one day? Even the Premier League says match week. What was wrong with Team Goal Player of the Week? Nothing. Nothing was wrong with it. Just people reinventing the wheel. On to Pat, who says, Greetings, Doug. Well, greetings, Pat. Frustrating tie as I felt the Lewis Abram sub in the 83rd minute just signal to the opponent that you are free to push forward with little concern to have to defend. If he comes on for Sosa and sits in front of the CBs, I think we see it out. The 20 minutes prior to that, I felt we were the better team, so why not continue to keep the ball at our feet? Curious how Alonzo on the bench changes the scenario. Fingers crossed we stem this recent flow of injuries as well. I don't think it's signal to the opponent they're free to push forward. I think Pineda was trying to make sure that they had all the gaps covered in the back with three center backs. I thought Abram, you know, I remember him making one, at least one clearance in the game. Yeah, Alonzo, I don't think you're going to see Alonzo for still a couple of weeks. He's 
he did rejoin the team for part of Thursday's training, the beginning of it, and then he kind of started doing individual work again. So I think he's still probably at least two weeks out from making a game day roster, but they do have the expanded rosters now, so we'll see. Fingers crossed on this recent flow of injuries. Yeah, it's kind of starting all over again, is it not? You've got Yakamakis with a hamstring. Uh, that's a non-contact injury. Brad Guzan with an MCL. That's a contact injury. There's really not much you can do, I think, about that. I'm not sure if Franco Ibarra has an injury. I just know he didn't train last week. I know he had two contact injuries against NYCFC where he was down on the turf after uh, one of his trademark hard tackles. Uh, so we'll see what's going on there. Adam says, Immediately before Toronto's last attack, Parata sent the ball out in a hopeful long pass for Gutman when I thought he should have held the ball longer until challenged and then sent it deep. Perhaps too ambitious there. I'd have to go back and, and see what you're talking about and see what the situation was. Um, usually the last 10 minutes of the game, I'm trying to put the polishing touches on, on a story and, and get it ready to go for the editors. I have to have it sent to them as soon as the final whistle blows. So sometimes I don't see all the things that happen in the last 10 minutes. But if I get a chance to rewatch the game, I will look. Adam continues, Etienne frustrated, frustrated me tonight. I thought he was too wasteful with the ball. Once it was clear he could outpace Larea, I felt he should have made a better effort to stay apart and pass more than dribble. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I think Etienne's still kind of figuring his way out in Atlanta United system. I thought NYCFC, he played really, really well. I thought against Red Bulls, he was a little bit wasteful. Last night, he had a couple of chances to, to kind of put it into what I think he had a fifth gear. Uh, we haven't really seen a lot of it yet, and he just didn't. So I'm, I, I don't know what's going on there. But uh, we'll see as the season goes. I, th I think he'll come good. I think he's a good player. Three, given the new broadcast arrangement and volume of matches played at the same time this season, I wish Apple would have in-game flashes when goals happen in other games. It would mimic the NFL approach that reminds you of the spectacle that is match day. Anything else you might prescribe to amp the broadcast? Well, I think they should play Technotronics Pump Up the Jam throughout every game, all games, every game. Uh, I know it's a big fan of, of uh, a big – the song is, is, is important to Philomena Kunk on Kunk on Earth on Netflix. So I think that would be an awesome addition by Apple. Just no analysts, no play-by-play -play guys, just Technotronics Pump Up the Jam. That would be awesome. Any news about the Carvel ice cream machine for next week's home match? You know, I've I've – spent a lot of energy sending good vibes toward Carvel and the ice cream machine. So I'm hoping by Sunday it's no longer going to be, you know, day to day and it's going to be ready to be inserted into the ice cream starting 11. Dave says a heartbreaking finish tonight. Clearly a few things happened. Gutman coming back brought life to the team. It came down to the last play. Pineda chose a sweater around his shoulders rather than a trench coat. How would the game have been different if Pineda wore the black trench coat instead of a sweater? Thanks for your thoughtful analysis. Well, he would have become a sweaty mess because it was a warm night in Toronto, which is not a country song. But anyway, yeah, I was I was curious to see what trench coat he was going to wear until I walked outside and realized, oh my God, it's beyond hot. I actually wore a t-shirt under a windshirt because I did not pack for warm weather here in beautiful Toronto. Now... On to Mike with the three questions of the week. He says, you called the set-piece goal. I did. Before the game, 
in the lead-up to the game, I tweeted that if Atlanta United scores, I think it's going to come from a set piece. He says, even the second goal was sort of from a set piece. No question here, just a tip of the hat to you. Well, what kind of hat are you wearing, Mike? Is it a bowler? Is it a fedora? Is it a giant orange foam cowboy hat like we used to get at Six Flags and that Homer Simpson wore? Because that would be freaking awesome, and you've got to send me a photo if you do. His second question, Arahujo's body language is just not good out there. He plays like a lone wolf, like the guy from The Hangover. A lot of hero ball to use a basketball term. He's not playing well. What did you see from him today? So he had gone, Arahujo had gone three consecutive games without a goal or an assist before Toronto. He once again played a fantastic pass to Etienne. He played one of these uh, in the NYCFC game too that I think eventually resulted in the first corner kick from which Yakamaka scored. So in a way, he he got he should have, I mean he shouldn't have been credited with an indirect assist, but just from a team performance standard, that was an assist from Arahujo. And then he got the assist on the chop goal. Now late in the game, he went on one of his runs where he beat two guys, and then lost control of the ball instead of maybe going to the corner and wasting time, which probably would have been the smarter thing. I think like Etienne on the other side, he's just kind of figuring out his role in the system and with the guys around him because he didn't get to play a lot with them last year. I still think he's got all the skill in the world, but I don't know about his body language, but I do know that he's probably not playing as well as anyone expected, but I do think that he's got the potential to do so. I still think that he's probably one of the more skilled players in Major League Soccer. And lastly, Nada's outfit was on point with the sweater tied around his torso. What's your analysis on the manager's game day wardrobe choices? Well, you know, I, I don't know if Pineda has like a clothing line deal with somebody. Like the suits that they all wear before the game, that's a, that's a I think, a clothing line deal with some bespoke tailor in Atlanta. And it's always cool to say the word bespoke. So I don't know. It, it's, you know, he dresses better than uh, Martino with the little pink penny over his red uh, golf shirt. I can't remember what Heinz wore. I think he wore track tops, track suits. Steven Glass wore like traditional suits, I think, a couple of times. So he always looked sharp. Rob Valentino just wore trainers, I believe, when he was interim. So if I had to rank them, I think you go Glass, Pineda, Tata, Valentin. Oh, DeBoer. DeBoer typically wore just stuff similar to Pineda, so I'll, I'll give Pineda and DeBoer a tie. And then I'm just going to put Heinz at the bottom just because I feel like it and I can. All right. Now, so next week it will be a little bit different uh, for the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. The team, the training availability is going to be Wednesday, Friday because it is a Sunday game. So you won't have a podcast until probably Saturday morning. So that'll be a little bit different. But during the week, uh, for the Wednesday paper, you're going to have a story from me about Caleb Wiley being called up to the U.S. Men's National Team camp. I spoke with him for a while tonight about that. And also the effect that it could have on the other academy players. Pineda talked about how he thinks it's going to inspire them. Wiley talked a little bit about that. I'm going to talk with Lowry and an academy player about that this week. So please look for that uh, Wednesday in the Wednesday paper, Tuesday afternoon. You can find it on my Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I don't put the things on Instagram because, frankly, I don't know how. I guess I should learn how. Daniel's not helping me because 
he's on the run and he just doesn't have time to work with me anymore. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones. This is Southern Fried Soccer. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.